I think everyone probably has at least one friend like Rodrigo Rivas. He's kind of the scrappy, likable guy whose heart is in the right place, but he can also rub people the wrong way. The kind of guy who maybe is a bit too honest and abrupt. Most of the time that works in his favor, but not always. Rod calls himself a citizen of the world, and that seems about right. He's from Mexico. He's lived in the US, Japan, and Singapore. He's also a jack-of-all-trades, kind of like me. He even designed the logo for this podcast. I'm Dave Austin, and who are these people? Say something. Uh, do you have the... Can you hear me? Yeah, and I'm rolling. Did you, have, did you make sure that... Oh, okay. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. A lot exactly. of sci-fi ideas are becoming real. Yeah, it's like Barbarella's tongue box. Yellow. Yeah. Yellow. It is therapeutic. The last generation to be raised without the internet... Yeah. The first generation to jump into the internet. What what does it mean? Like, did it really even happen? Okay, well, let me go back. Because let's place this. So, yeah, you're in Japan. I met you in Singapore. You're actually from Mexico. Correct. So, you are Mexican. You are one of the few... Mexicans I've ever met in Asia. Uh, you're really the only Mexican that I know in Asia. The others are people I've met, like at uh, Senor Taco and stuff like that. Oh, I, okay, yeah. I wouldn't call them friends or, you know, they're just uh, acquaintances yeah. at best. So, what does it feel like being a Mexican in Asia? Um, I don't know. I don't... I've been, I guess... I've been out of it for so long. I haven't been to Mexico in about, yeah, like 15, a bit over, like over 15 years. Right. Because from Mexico, I went to U.S., did college, and then from there, I came straight to Japan, and then went to Singapore, and then I'm back here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's been about 16 years or so. So, 16 years out of Mexico, but then... Yeah. but, But after that, you were in the U.S. for quite a while... So, yeah. Overall, how many years have you been in Asia? In Asia, it's coming to 12, 13. Wow. Okay. So, I don't see myself like like as a Mexican or anything. It's just like a a citizen of the world at this point. Mm -hmm. Because I've been, I guess, moving every five, six years. Every five or six years since I was born, I've been moving around. Right. So um, I don't consider it's like oh like you're Mexican it's like yeah but not really um, I'm not your stereotypical one um, I well, don't no, not like at all. soccer I don't I don't have that like like funky mustache and all of the hats um, but I I do look I guess sort of Mexican <laughs> if you would well say it, it's curious I'm curious because okay there's quite a few things here one is that uh, you've never been to texas and yet i'm from texas and i've because it's easier for me i've lumped you into my kind of honorary texan sort of category because um even though you've you've never been there being from mexico and then living in the u.s like in the southwest like with california right you kind of have a frame of reference closer to mine and especially just the the mexican angle you know there's lots of there's lots of parts of texas parts of the mm-hmm. culture that are basically Mexican anyhow. So 
we kind of have that. I, f- I feel like you're my neighbor in a way. So I've adopted you yeah, in that it, way. It does feel that way. It's, and, yeah. Like I can, and I think that's what, that was a good thing when I went to, um, uh, to creative solutions when I met you in CNBC, cause when I was in, in master control, everybody was, um, technically everybody was Malay, Malay Singaporean. And like the frame of reference took me a while to just get to understand everybody. Mm-hmm. where once I started talking to you, it's like I could talk to I used to live in the U.S., so I can talk to you about U.S. stuff or like, yeah, it's a lot easier to relate either jokes or just regular life or even ways of thinking about life or whatever to you. It's, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And another thing I think is interesting is that being in Asia, I've seen how you have been... Uh, lumped in with every other Anglo-European expat, you know? Oh, like, yeah. See, that's an, that's a cool thing that <laughs> technically here in Asia, I'm considered white. So it's right. like, oh, okay. Um, technically, it is that, like, you, I, I would hate to see it when you use the, like, the white card. It'd be like, nope, I'm foreigner, so I don't need to conform to your weird Asian ways. Right. Although, like, they're not weird. Once you're in Asia long enough, you kind of understand and why people do what they sometimes you completely just don't it's like i don't know why but it works Mm -hmm. right but um yeah i I am considered uh white no i get that i I understand what you mean uh that you're not (laughs) saying that the asian ways are weird but there are there is a white card to play here which you get out like you're excused from a lot of things like a lot of the there's a lot of things about asia that are a pain in the ass to the asians who live here and we get a free card, basically, because, yeah. like, two reasons. One is, like, they have the attitude, well, you're not from here. You don't understand. It's too much trouble to explain to you. Yeah, <laughs> We're just, you, I, they don't expect, they're like, they I don't, don't expect, expect you anything. to understand. Right. Just do it. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. And then there's also a bit of the, still kind of the, in some areas, not Japan, I would I would well, I don't know. There's a bit of the colonial thing where the white people were the bosses in certain fields, you know, mm-hmm. and and certainly in different stages when the area was developing, they were importing knowledge and expertise from the West. So mm. th- that's largely gone now, but that was, I think, the case for many years here. But I, I think it's this. OK, let me just ask you. When you were in the U.S., how much racism did you face, if any? Um, not at all. Okay. Like, I remember even when I was like really young. I remember going to going to school. I remember when I first arrived. It was not knowing English, or knowing like 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 you know one two three four up down, and then I remember just knowing English like within the three months when I started going to school or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember any racism. I do remember sometimes knowing that I don't fit in, that I wasn't American, so I wasn't going to fit in mm-hmm. when I was really young in school, like not having the cool friends or not the friends. But it could have been that I was just, you know, like introvert or something, too. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, when I was young, I don't remember having that many friends, um, at least in the U.S., until right. I went to like, um, like 
I don't know, like sixth grade or something. That's when I started making more friends. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm glad that you didn't face ra- racism. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thankfully, but, I did, and it was um, California, um, in Indio, California. So a lot of people in that area are Hispanic, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, or it's like it's a good mix. But it's like fifty-fifty. I would say that there's like a lot of Latinos and then a lot of Americans and then also the second, third generation. Right. Like, I, I don't know what you call them now. They yeah, like just Mexican Americans, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Americans or whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's I never really felt it. And then the second time I went, I actually just really didn't. It was just in California or where I was at least in Palm Desert. Mm-hmm. Um, there was tons of acceptance and then the college I went to had tons of international students so it, it was just like pretty alright okay well that's good good to hear yeah but you've heard it directed to others I'm sure or you've you've, you've heard the slurs and everything oh yeah yeah you know um, it took a while when it's like oh like when they call it like wet bags and uh, what is it brownies or whatever and even when people would say it I don't even get offended it'd be like I've always found when people say offending things of either race or um, religion or whatever is offensive you know it's like well you're just an ignorant fuck you know like right. beep that kind of like I know you're like um, what is it R-rated podcast. yeah this is explicit yeah go ahead so yeah, it's um yeah, it's I couldn't give a give a shit really. It's like you're the one that looks ignorant. So mm-hmm. sometimes it depends if it's like a really good friend, I'll walk up and be like, "Hey dude, just bring it down a notch." Mm-hmm. But other than that it's like, well, you're the one that looks like an ignorant. Right. But uh, yeah, I did hear it, but never I've never really taken to it and if, if I have to come to the defense of like, "Oh, you know, um because I do, I did hear a lot of like, oh, undocumented people, this and that, mm-hmm. and it's um, like I think you were really surprised when I told you that I was undocumented in the U.S. Um, yeah, I right? was surprised. Yeah, the first yeah. time you told me, I, <laughs> so well, yeah, and, and even for, people in the U.S. don't ever think that I was. And when right. they started saying it, I was like, I'd never said like, oh, I am, but I was like, dude, just like, it's not only like this like thing it, there's tons of layers and there's different people and i do get your point but you know it's like what's just my point I do i have a... <laughs> well yeah. no, no no like I, I i i get like americans and like even in singapore it's like there's this other people coming to my country and trying to like either mess it up for whatever your reasons are or you're trying to do something to my country which i'm not happy about which right. i do get it but in some sense, even being a foreigner in in all the countries I've pretty much been except Mexico, which I only lived when I was young, is I've always been a foreigner, and it's I've been a foreigner, but it's not running away thankfully from a war or anything. Right. It's always either to make myself better or kind of to make that whatever country I'm in a little bit better somehow. So when I was in the U.S., I was trying to like study and get most of my like at least, technically i just went to to us for um my college degree right and uh, when i was in singapore it's like well it's to get the i guess the broadcast industry or whatever it is 
a little bit better, give my point of view, knowing a couple of different cultures or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so, I think you did that. Yeah. You made my life mm. a little better, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, but, we all did. We all like helped each other. So, I yeah, and that was another thing. I was surprised that you were able to go to college as an undocumented person. Uh, that's correct, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, um, I'm glad you were. I don't have anything against it, but. I was it's actually surprised how easy you found it, which... I know. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know other friends and, like, even family members that have gone there illegally and, like, friends that were illegal. And they have such a hard time either studying or trying to make a living. But, I don't know, I've been hashtag blessed. <laughs> wink, wink to, you know... Um, yeah. I think that's a story for another day. Mm-hmm. But... um but yeah, I've been blessed because um, I guess when I went the first time, I don't know how my dad was able to get my sister and myself a social security card. I'm sure it was for tax purposes, so yeah. he can claim like um, like you know like um, dependents or something. And I, I I was able to have a social security card, which I still do, but it does say not for work. Uh-huh. Um, and. Technically, with a social security card in the U.S., you can just do anything, yeah. even though it doesn't have an ID or any or picture ID. Or no, I can't remember. Was but, your father a, a U.S. citizen by then? Uh, I don't know. He wasn't, but he did have a perm. He, had a, he did he have a legal, permission to work. Uh, he had a permission to work. Okay. All right. Well, that's yeah. something. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm like, well, like I said, I'm glad that you were able to go to college, but you would think that. If it is that easy, that kind of bolsters the argument of the people who are saying, like, why is it so easy for people to come in and just uh, come here illegally and do X, Y, Z or whatever? Well, um, I, see, I, I think it's it's the mainstream media, and I don't understand why people don't, didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I went post, kind of, like, literally post 9-11. I went, I think, 2002, like, January 2002. So it was, like, right. super fresh. Mm-hmm. And it, um, they still weren't pushing to or well they were starting to push to like make the border super secure and all that right but before that i remember people saying like oh you know like um illegal people saying like okay i'm gonna go to my to my hometown and i'll be back in three weeks they're like oh you're gonna pay coyote and they're like no dude i've done it enough times that i know where to jump and which bus to take and um they just do it. So it's it, it was more of a, a I'm routine. just going to go back home for like a couple of weeks and then I'll, I'll be back. Don't worry. It, it's super easy. And it was like super easy. You Like the both times I went, um, when I was really young, I think I was like five and a half, six. Mm-hmm. The first time they did pay a coyote and it was in Tijuana, I think. Yeah. And then the second time, of course, it was post 9-11. So it was like a bit like all that tijuana bit mm-hmm. was like super like like extra secure now mm-hmm. so i actually have been probably in texas but mm-hmm. it was just to cross in like one random desert oh i like can't so, really remember yeah. the name of the town uh-huh. but it was just like a little border town and basically it was just at the corner tip or it could have been is nevada like really i can't oh that's up farther well farther north i think just, I'm not just well it was but yeah i think it was tijuana like, is closer to California, though, that's right. Yeah, but I think we had to go, like, really center of, like, Mexico, kind mm. of. Oh, okay. Like, then maybe central, you did go which is closer to Texas. Yeah. Like, the, the 
corner tip of Texas. Mm-hmm. So we can go in there, and then they just like drove us up because it was. And how old were you like on a, that trip? You were well. The first time I was like about six, yeah. And then at twelve, I went back to Mexico, 12. and at eighteen, oh. I went back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then that was the main time where you were, yeah, living the life in, in desert. Was it Palm Desert? Yeah, Palm Desert. Yeah. It's um, meeting it's your a, wife and all that kind of fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, everybody's like, "Oh, it's so cool! You have Coachella Fest and." Oh, yes, it's Coachella down there? there, and it's only, yeah, yeah, it's like a 10, 10 15 minute drive from Palm Desert. Oh, okay, so um, yeah, Coachella Fest is there. I never went. It was that was after uh, your time when that started, right? Uh, it, well, I was eighteen, so it was like right at the like peak of. Oh, okay. Of it from eighteen to like twenty one, I was in in the US, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was like I it, I never went. I always see saw it as a hassle. Yeah, as this thing that comes to your t- just like in Singapore, like F one, you're like, oh, F one is coming, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, oh, it just inconveniences you to go somewhere, and then you just see tons of kind of foreigners, but like out of state people, right, just coming in and like being drunk and all that stuff. So it's just more of an inconvenience when you live there mm-hmm. than happy that to yeah. go. Oh, I know. That's how people in Austin think of South by Southwest now. Just a big hassle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, all of this is happening, so it's just like a pain in the ass for for everybody. Yeah, hey. so um, yeah, yeah, I was eighteen, and um, yeah, and I I guess I enjoyed it. I never committed a crime, and that's another thing that I guess I did tell you when I got my U.S. visa that mm-hmm. I did put that I went to the U.S. illegally. So if they were going to sanction me, then just sanction me, and then we'll start clean. No, I know. Yeah, you but, told me that was. Another shocker, I mean, I was shocked in a good way, but that you were able to, well, then there's the backstory that I've had other problems with oh, immigration, yes, I so I didn't have it nearly as easy dealing with my wife's problem, which is another story, but you went to the embassy and you basically told them everything, so if they yeah, had, I, if I, they I had like, their chance, if they were yeah. going to like slap you or like yeah, punish you, they correct. had their chance, but no, they were like, okay, you were young, you were, it, was not, it wasn't your fault. You now have a legitimate purpose. So here's your was it ten year U.S. visa? Yeah, right? ten year visa, Ka-chunk. which expires in go. 2019. Oh, getting close. Yeah. So, um, but thankfully, I'm back in Japan. So yeah, it makes it way easier just being in Japan working for a, like a bigger company. Right. Makes it so much easier. Yeah. Gives you legitimacy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you think of this? Am I stupid for doing a podcast? Um, no, I think it's 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 a it's a good thing. Um, it's a good I thing. It's a, yeah, it's a good thing. I, I think it's some sort of it is therapeutic. Yeah, it is definitely um, therapeutic. It is something that you can look back and see. Like, I I kind of wish and 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 thankful that it like technology wasn't there yet. But like, I wish I had videos of me being stupid when I was young. But in a way, I'm thankful that there isn't any. Right. Then it can't be advertised. Yeah that that is you know that's the there's that meme going around that you know thank people in their born in the 70s or yeah. 80s can be thankful they don't have their stupidity online forever, which yeah you know yeah, it is exactly. true. Um, but and I don't know what it's going to be like for these kids who are who do have a record of every stupid thing they've done 
it, well, yeah, it seems like these like these young people want their life advertised. Where I think I've, I, I, you're a little bit older than me, but I'm still on the on the kind of bandwagon of well, I don't want people to know that much of me. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't want to just show it, and I'm ashamed of it. It's just it's private stuff. It's just kind of like this privacy thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to hide, but I also don't want to just be showing right. everybody everything either. Some you have some digital modesty. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. You don't want to, you don't you don't want your modesty to be outraged. Well, not even that. It's just um, like no, I, was I know what born you mean. With it's... a couple of fucks, right? And then as I get older. When I was younger, I gave a lot of fucks for no reason, and uh-huh. I gave them stupidly. Right. Right now, there's about like five fucks left. Yeah. And I'm like halfway through my life. Mm-hmm. So these fucks, I really need to kind of keep them to keep myself. On, keep a hold of them. Yeah. It's, yeah. You want to you want to ration them out so that yeah, basically you die and you've you've given your last fuck, right? Yeah, because I, I I I do see older people mm-hmm. where they do not give a fuck. You know, they right. they're like. My left nut is sticking out. I couldn't care less. <laughs> or the grand, like, like in Singapore, that grandma that was flashing me, she was about I don't know, like, like sixty five. She just w- would walk around like across from my place, so you can see the through the windows, oh, not like right. I was peeping or anything. Yeah, just there, but she your would neighbor just walk at the same around, level, yeah. Everything out, and she was like, I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? That's kind of like I respect that. Yeah, but I don't. You know, please cover yourself, lady. Well, you're in, she was in her own house. You know, she wasn't. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's like, and it's like, fuck you for looking into her. Right, like, exactly. It's in my house. Yes. Right. It's like it's your house. You can do whatever you want. Right. That's fine. It was your fault. Yes, it was your fault. But um, I remember but, yeah, I used like, to be I used to be so like shy as a kid, like so scared of being like seen. I remember once we were. Uh, I was with my grandfather and we were out at like some uh, lake or, or river where you could go swimming or whatever. And so my grandfather just changed into his swim trunks right there. He took off his pants and his <laughs> underwear and put on his uh, on his swim trunks. And I was like, yeah. I was like, Granddad, Ed, aren't you afraid? Look, you're, there's people over there that you were just naked. He's like, yeah. And he just said, I hope they take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Some grandpas are like that. Yeah. Couldn't fucking care less. Yeah, well, they're really, you know, something like that. There is nothing to care about. It's like, what, what is the big deal? But yeah, yeah, it's all relative. Yeah, it's it, it's. I'm I'm enjoying that part of when you're young. You you think like the world is so big, but technically it's so small. Like if you move schools, you're like, mommy, why are you like my social life? And you know, mm-hmm. it's that kind of stuff. But you're like, well, yeah, school really doesn't matter. You only keep maybe one or two friends from like, like mi- like middle school and a couple from high school. Right. And the good people kind of stay stay with you. Some people that you thought they were your friends kind of weed out and just like you know, yeah. So it's kind of like, it, it is an interesting, weird thing that like the older you get, you give less box. Well, the one thing I l- realized way too late that I wish I had known 
is that when you're in those school social situations and you think everybody's looking at you and everybody's worried, like if you make yeah. one fuck up, like that you're just that Everybody, all yeah. eyes are on you. What you realize is that every single other person feels exactly the same way, yeah. and that like even if you do something like fall on your face, like in the cafeteria and spill a tray and like yeah. make it, yeah, their eyes will be on you for like two seconds, and then they go back to worrying about themselves right away, you know. And yeah. if I'd known that, I could have used or that to, to the my next big ad- thing or whatever. Yeah, but I, I, if I'd known that, I could have used that to my advantage, but I, I didn't. So. Yeah, it, it is. It is that thing, and like even now having kids, I can see it. Like my older kid, the other day, he forgot something from school, and he was like, "Oh my god, the teacher's gonna say this and that," and I was like, "Dude, the teacher has been a teacher for like a couple of years. Right. Do you think? Do you seriously think that you forgetting?" She's not going to have a spare. She's just going to say, like, whatever. Don't worry about right. it. Or that you're going to be the first kid who's ever forgotten this thing at school. Yeah. The, the first kid that forgot her, his, like, like flute or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, dude. It's like, don't worry about it. Just take it chill. And then he's had, like, sort of small panic attacks about that. And it, and then we tell him to just chill. And then he goes to school super worried and then comes back super happy from school. Be like, Yeah. Nothing happened. The teacher and I was like, "See, dude, you just need to take a chill pill." <laughs> That's some good dad advice. Well, I've always liked your one uh, policy for your kids about toys that make noise that take batteries. My policy for toys that make noise is fine. Buy toys that make noise, no problem. But they only have a one battery lifespan, <laughs> so you can have them as long as you want. Right. But once the battery runs out, that's it. That's no it. more. I'm not buying fucking batteries for those things. If it's a piano, make the fucking music in your head and touch right. the keys as much as you right. want. Use your I imagination. Hate. Yeah, but we've made a fucking mistake. What? And well, I wouldn't. I'm gonna blame this on my wife. Okay. But somehow we went to one of those crappy stores that sells a whole bunch of shit that you don't need. And uh, my younger one saw a little shitty plastic guitar and i guess my wife bought it and from there he was like oh i want like it would be nice if i could play guitar Mm -hmm. and then grandpa was like oh i used to play guitar Mm -hmm. and then my wife and grandpa were like why don't we buy you a guitar and then they went ahead and they're like oh your birthday's coming Mm -hmm. so this is your birthday present we'll buy you a guitar and then by the time i heard of it I was like, no, but, and they're like, sorry, we ordered it already. And I was like, fuck, guitars, you can't put batteries in it, so it's going to make noise indefinitely. Well, you know, he might actually be good at it. He he's might really six. learn it. He could, he, his attention spends about 30 fucking seconds for Well, but anything. then also, he, you know, you don't have to listen to the guitar that long. Well, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we bought a little guitar, and uh, his birthday was like last week. We got it. To him and then i had to tune it which it is fun doing it but i have no clue about guitars um and i really don't have the patience for, for teaching him um because he's like me he, he has no patience also <laughs> so um he had his first lesson on the weekend oh, really? like about an hour with grandpa oh grandpa's the teacher and um we're gonna for yeah yeah so we're gonna force him to at least do it for a couple of times. Well, force both of them because it was Grandpa's idea yeah. too. So yeah, that'll be you good. Know, like you fuckers have to spend one like every Sunday one hour doing it. Right. And yeah. 
Well, and then good. if not, then I'm going to use, like, I'm not going to bring, like, come down from this thing of, oh, I want this. I'd be like, no, you don't want that because you wanted a guitar and look where it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we want them to appreciate things and put, like, proper value on things. Um, yeah, we all do, don't we? Oh. Yeah, because, yeah, they just, that yeah, keep said, asking me other stuff or, yeah. Well, let me just say, so Rod, I, how do I know you? I know you because we work together at CNBC. But tell me, how do you remember that we met? Okay, it's not how we met. It's the first time I remember hearing you or seeing of you or knowing who you are. It was, I can't remember what the occasion was. It was some like D and D or something. Right, dinner and dance. Because yep. you, yeah, yeah. Um, but you were like, I remember like working at CNBC for a little bit in, in master control and I didn't really need to see your team or work with you at all at that point. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to one of these events and you won a trip somewhere or like oh, no, a dinner I won somewhere. Stay at the Marina Bay Sands. Yeah. Yeah. You won something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, who the hell's that like bald guy? Like he looks so quiet and never does anything. Huh. Who the hell's that guy? Because yeah. you know, like I was really friendly with all the like news people, but you were on right. that little room on the other over side, there, yeah. secluded. It's like who the hell is, are those people? Right. I have no clue who they are. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the first time I like knew of you. Mm-hmm. And then um, I guess through my me liking to just talk to people or whatever it was. And wanting to move up the chain just because master are control you, was killing. Are you flipping some sort of plastic or something? Don't. Oh, uh, yeah. The, okay, Shit. stop uh-huh. that. Okay. Oh, that's my OCD. Um, yeah, okay. so, um, so yeah, I, I, I was like, oh, who's that guy? It's like, oh, he wants something. That's kind of cool. I wish I, I won that. Mm-hmm. But you were secluded on that little room that was Creative Solutions, so I never had to talk to you, talk with you or anything about you until I think I saw that thing online of, you were CNBC is looking for a, a producer for creative solutions and something. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I think Sylvia had just moved to up to with you right. guys. And right. I had worked a little bit or talked to, to Sylvia. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. I kind of know somebody that is related to it. Let me go talk to her. And then I went, talked to her. And then it was, um, what's the other girl? I forgot the girl Does that was with you. No, 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 Does, no. Before. No. Um, Oh, L- Linda. Linda, yeah, 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 yeah. So I went and talked to Linda about it. And she was like, yeah, we're looking for somebody because I'm like moving on to something else. And I was like, oh, okay, well, like I can do some stuff. You know, I can do this and that. And I talked to Sylvia. And then I think at some point I talked to you. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I helped you guys on was um, some, I think, Thai thing or Vietnam thing where I designed like a little CG background. Oh, right, that little window. You did that kind of like little graphic window. No, before window that, it the, was like a blue thing with like a little pagoda kind of background. I'm sure it was tie. Pro- oh, wait, maybe oh, yeah. it was... Or it could have been for the ASEAN tourism thing. Yeah. I think it so, was probably um, tie things or something. Yeah, I did tell you like you, I think. I was like, well, I don't know a lot about... I can write what it, like, you know, like random BS, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not trained in it. But I'm mm-hmm. really good in graphics. Um, mm-hmm. And then I did that stuff. And I guess that's where it started kind of like meeting more of you and then be like, well, I actually want to 
moving to this department just because MCR was miserable. Right. Well, I remember you coming up to me and like introducing yourself and like describing your history and like showing me some graphics that of like uh, you, that you did for Bloomberg of like this little oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah that little crappy commercial yeah <laughs> which was really it was really like simple but at least it showed that you had mastery over some kind of After Effects that kind of stuff mm. but um, the thing that I liked is that you were it was evidence that you were uh, you were scrappy you know you <laughs> like. You really well. I'm Mexican. So I'm resourceful. Exactly resourceful. <laughs> so, um, and it's obvious talking to you that yeah, you didn't you didn't have it easy. You kind of had to struggle for everything that you got, which mm-hmm. I like, you know. And I think it that's those are the kind of people I relate to more. And I think they are. Well, you're more people like you are more talented in that you've had to be resourceful and had to like, like having fewer resources available made you more creative. Yeah. Do you yeah, agree? Like, um, I, I agree. I've had, um, here we do have a person that I guess was brought up really well off. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I have to like fix something, I'll come up with a new like layout or fix for something. I would like MacGyver the shit out of like equipment we have. Mm-hmm. Where that other guy will be like, oh, no, no, no let's just spend $15,000 on the equipment. And I'm like, dude, we just, we can right. do a couple of things here, like here and there, and we'll make it work. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. We'll make it happen. But yeah, I do think that, um, that yeah, not it's not that you don't have resources. It's just necessity is the mother of all inventions. And mm-hmm. I've been on more on, uh, like, needing a lot of shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it is that thing, and um, thank you. That's like it's really nice to know that. I guess people see that I am. Well, I have like what is it? Um, I'm hyperactive too, so it's like I just need to be either making or clicking or doing something. Right. Well, you you like to be doing things, mm-hmm. which is something that I had previous previously kind of considered as a. An American kind of trait. Mm. I'll, I guess I'll include uh, just make it North American trait, <laughs> because there is a su- certain attitude in Asia where there's people who don't seem to like to be doing things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're quite happy to not be doing things. Yeah, they're just like, well, it's been like this for a while, so let's just right. keep it as it. Yeah, there's like, a lot no, there's more. always little improvements. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of inertia sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you were just, uh, like, well, I loved working with you. It was always fun that to just throw shit at you and just see what you would come up with. Yeah, you know? just to figure something out. Right, like well, like when I asked you to change that guy's eye lines. Oh, yeah. See, it's like I would always <laughs> figure something out. It's right. like... I've never done it, but we'll figure it out somehow right exactly. now. But you know what? I was like, I don't know who did it or why it was done, but I was like scared shitless on my first job, the Phillips. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I don't know what? who threw me to it or why or how. Well, we all threw it to you because you were the you were the new 
member of the team. But I was and, like, and we couldn't I'm, I'm, do it. Yeah, it was exactly. graphics like, heavy, and you'd come in as a graphics expert. So we're like, okay, here you go. Well, it's a graphics no, my, thing for you. Well, I, I I kind of knew that, but I felt like I was like internally, I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, like because the first meeting we had with the client, you guys like, I think it was you and like, um, like Eunice, um, were saying like, okay, here's the brief, just like, you know, like write it out and whatever, and like get some concept art and like some boards. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's easy. You know, I'll sort that out. So I sorted it out. And then I think it was like, okay, no, like, we're like, yeah, it looks good. Let's go like meet the client. And I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's all right. And I remember that day being like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like it's the client. Mm-hmm. Um, these people pay tons of money to see this kind of thing, and right. here I am, this this little shitty Mexican, <laughs> knowing nothing about writing, showing my shitty like sketches or whatever to these people, and mm-hmm. they approve them, and then they're right. like, "Well, now shoot it on right. that day," and I was like, "Oh shit, oh shit, how the fuck do I do this?" Right. I was super relying on you and Cassandra. I was like feeling so bad because it's like you guys have done it for ages and here's this guy that has never done it. And I kept like asking questions and I, I'm sure at some point I annoyed you guys with like, dude, this is so fucking simple or stupid things. But it was like part of my, like it's that attitude. I, I think you have it, David. And I, I, I think I learned it from the US, mm-hmm. which is never say no, always say yes. Can you do it? Yes. If you don't know, then you better fucking know by the time you need to do it. <laughs> right, yeah. Because, like, in the U.S., it's that thing of, yeah, you can say no, but if you can say no once or twice, but by the third time, the client or whoever it is will go and find somebody else, and then you will be out of a job, out of an opportunity, out of right. whatever. Right, Just say yes and fucking figure it out and as figure you it go out, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember you hearing, like, a story of you. Mm-hmm. That you had to do that a couple of times when when you were like in the Texas Ranger one. Oh yeah, right. Walker you know, Texas like, Ranger. Yeah, yes. yeah. Walker takes a Ranger, which is like okay, we need this and or we need whatever it was, and you were like, yep. Yeah, okay, yeah. Every, well, so I'll sort it, and then it's like, oh shit, how do I make that happen? Every now? single thing of that job was just me saying yes and then figuring it out. Like every single thing, just taking the job was like me saying yep, and then what the fuck do I do? And yeah. I, there were, luckily, there were some people to help, but then there were a lot of times there was no one to help, and, and you just had to, you just have had to, to figure somehow, out something. Like, but, but I find that kind of driving, and it makes me, it, it gives me excitement, and it makes you, like, it gives you that drive of, I better not fucking fail. Right. You know, it's like, I don't want to disappoint people, and I just need to do it. But right. I also have learned to, in the in one thing is like know your limits. Mm-hmm. Yes, try to bite more than you can chew, but when you're like way over your head, just make sure that you just tap out and say, you know what, I'm completely useless. I fucked right. up, and then yeah. just own it, really. Yeah. And then people will kind of understand it in, before it gets too too deep too too insane mm-hmm. then they'll help right. you yeah you don't want to you don't want to like let it out. you don't want to let it go on till like a crisis level where yeah. you're gonna screw everybody else over you have to like at some point say like you know what yeah i remember there was one time i was like 
I'd take I'd bitten off more than I could chew and it was it involved it it involved at one point like having to move a trailer like a trailer had to be moved from one place to another and I was like I just had to say look I can't do it I I want to get it done I I wanted to take responsibility but I cannot drive this trailer I you don't want me driving it I'm not good enough and so I'm dead I'm sorry someone else has to do this Mm. Yeah. But I also remember back in that time, and this is like, oddly enough, this is that same period of time, like where I met Mike in that kind of period of my mm. life, where, and this was like everybody, this applies to everyone who was working at that time. The worst thing you could do would would be to say that you don't know how to do something. Yeah, right. Like, like the shame that you would bring on yourself, like no one would ever <laughs> look at you again. You know? Or they won't ask you something else because, like, yeah, he won't know. Right? Yeah. Well, that exactly. You were you were completely written off if you say that you don't know how to do something. There, you're like, you're out. You're out of the yeah. loop. You know, for sure, you're out of the game. But but you know what? Yeah, that, that's the thing. And like, I did learn that in the U.S. And it is that thing of no, you because you have to be that person. You know, you mm-hmm. have to if you want to be successful on these. You have to be that kind of person, because if not, then um, even the crappiest little company will like try to get the best person as much as they can afford it. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you have to be that person. Um, and like, I know I somehow I feel bad about it, but that's another thing I, I kind of try to live not live by is try to become that indispensable person. Right in in a company is that the person that you always say yes and you try to deliver as much as you can and when you can't is just because the whole thing is just not physically possible at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but be smart about it. Don't you find it interesting though that there are people here in Asia that seem to have like made their whole careers by without saying yes. <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't know how that has been. It, it, yeah, I, there's tons of people like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of people that deny and then just like kind of write it off. And then they're on these high positions or they're just working on these places. And you're like, how the fuck did you get here? Right. But, but I, even I, that there's like, I don't know. Is it is it easier for people here? I don't know. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword because there's also like less opportunity here in a way. Um, well, Singapore especially, there's kind of, it's it's much harder to strike out on your own. You know, you kind of mm. have to be part of a bigger organization. Yeah. Certainly it helps a lot more. You can't really be a, a lone wolf as easy as you can like in the States where you can just be jack of all yeah. trades out there, you know, getting all kinds of different jobs i don't know what do you think yeah it's i i think i've noticed that in some companies some people with the higher jobs that shouldn't be there it's it's because the and i think we saw it a little bit in cnbc where the shitty people stay back just because they just like to be fucking comfortable and the people that are trying to push and have that drive to be better and do more they just can't fucking cope and they just can't deal with this fucking incompetence of people. And then they try to move somewhere else that might give them that opportunity or that will let them grow or do a little bit more or something. Right. 
but yeah, there's these companies that just keep weeding off all the shitty people is the ones that keep staying and staying and staying. And I, I think even some companies, instead of the hassle of bringing in good people, they'll be like, oh, fuck it, we're doing all right as is. Like, they're okay just cruising instead of growing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. It's like, I'm good cruising. It's we're We're steady. Let's not jiggle the thing. Because I like I've seen some people where it's like, oh, let's try this new thing. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of risk. It's like, yes, I understand there's risk, but if you don't risk something or a little bit, then you can't grow. You're gonna stay the same. And yeah, some people are that, just fucking happy with the same. That's the risk aversion that you see a lot, but I don't know, things are getting so much more uh uncertain these days. It's it's gonna it's getting harder and harder to just cruise, I think. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard um, a couple of, like, a friend, um, I think you you know him, Ivan, I think he's mm-hmm. saying that he's, he might close his, his company because there's not enough um, jobs anymore or anything. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've been talking to well, Now he's to doing him. his watch, his watch empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, see, he's like, I guess, um, you know, they have to... Branching out. Diversify, yeah. yeah. Diversify. There you go. And, yeah, 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 um, it's, it, it's successful. And I kind of followed it a little bit and... I had a couple of chats with him mm-hmm. um, about a little bit about marketing. And I was like, dude, like when you, cause he was doing his straps. Right. I introduced him to like a little forum that I follow. And I was like, well, put it there. There's a couple of people that have straps and like straps. So put it there. But the main thing when you're doing these crowdfunding things or whatever, you have to market it yourself. So you have to do everything. So I was like, right. some of it you have to give give away to somebody that's like higher up in the thing so they can see it. They can be like, right. Oh, this is really cool. And then kind of a little endorsement and then you have to mm-hmm. give some away. Mm-hmm. And then he, yeah, he was telling me about some quality control issues with the Chinese manufacturer and delays and things that like, okay, he didn't do this. He was supposed to do that. And that affects the product. So I was like, yeah, I can see that. And he's like, yeah, it's super stressful. Um, but I don't know, I might do something else in the future. And then he, right now, he ended up doing the the watch, which he says it's been a roller coaster. Right. But yeah, he said like, yeah, I have to diversify. I want to do something else because he's been, I guess, doing all these graphics and post-production little house that he has for 10 years. And he's like, I'm done trying to chase clients and all of this stuff. Yeah. You should meet him up. Like, um, yeah, he's pretty cool to have like chats about that kind of stuff. I will. If you ever want to talk whatever random bullshit, I'm I'm always I like discussing things, and even though I'm not like pro or or con to whatever topic, mm-hmm. I'm always happy to just discuss about it. Yeah, no, I know you so. are, and uh, yeah, I will do this again. Um, thanks for helping me out. No, no, anytime, man. Whatever you need, like I'm happy to help. Okay, thanks, Rod. I'll I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Have a good okay. one. Bye. Let me know how it turns out. I will. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Someone Else's Memories by Revolution Void and Calm the Fuck Down by Broke for Free are used under a Creative Commons attribution license.